highways. We're talking about God's ways are higher than our ways, and we want to catch God's vision. Too many times I think uh, Christianity or uh, religion becomes a list of rules that people know they should do, but they don't really want to, and that's the depth of their faith. And that's a very unfortunate place to be when you know there are rules, but you don't really want to follow them. Uh, that's not the abundant life that God is talking about. And so we're basing this series on Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. Uh, let's take a look at what that says. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Hallelujah. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I believe there's two ways, uh, primarily that God's ways are higher than our ways. First is they can be hard to understand. Sometimes it can be difficult for us to catch on. What's really going on here? And then second, God's ways are better than our ways. Amen? So here's the deal. If God's ways are better than our ways, but we don't understand them, that's when we have to walk by faith. We have to trust God, even though we don't understand. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on, but we know what God wants us to do. We know what God shows us to do through the scriptures. We know the commands of God. If we're going to walk by faith, we're going to trust that God's ways are better than our ways. We're going to walk by faith and grab hold of God's truth and live it out. Now, the good news is, is that the gospel isn't that we walk our lives out in the dark, but that we walk in the light. Amen? It isn't about walking in the dark. Sometimes we walk by faith, trusting God when we don't understand, but we're not supposed to walk just lost and in the dark. And I think what happens is you can get into a legalistic righteousness, which actually is walking in the dark, and you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but you really know that's the rule, and you get really upset if people don't follow it. But we've forgotten why. And that can be a very big disaster. Because we're missing God's ways for human rules. And we can't have that. So we're trying to look at various commands in the scriptures and get why God would say that. And in John chapter 15, Jesus calls the people who understand him, who understand his ways, he calls them friends. So we can be servants of God who do what we're told but don't really get it. Or we can be friends of God, who get God, who help God. We're on the same team. We're working together. I think friend of God is an amazing, amazing place to be. And it still kind of makes me nervous to use that terminology. But it's in the scriptures. I understand servant of God. I understand disciple. I understand child. Friend is a little difficult for me. But I get the concept. It means that I understand why God wants to do this. I catch the vision, and I go towards it because I, I get it. That's a friend of God. A person who's just following a rule is maybe a servant. That's okay. Friend is available. Last time we talked about observing the Sabbath. 
Observing the Sabbath. In Jesus' day, understanding uh, Sabbath observance had become very, very legalistic. All kinds of rules, and it had lost its meaning. The Sabbath observance had become purely religious, but there wasn't a benefit to it. They didn't get it, what the Sabbath was for. Uh, In Mark 2.27, Jesus says this, Then he, that's Jesus, said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They had been serving the Sabbath. They had been following these rules like the Sabbath was a God. And this is something that Jesus said, look, the Sabbath wasn't made so that you could worship it. It was made to help you so that your life would be better. Uh, Catch on to what the plan is. And so last time we talked about uh, three primary purposes behind the Sabbath, a time of rest. We are made to need rest. God could have created us without the need to sleep. He knew what he wants, right? But he made us needing sleep. I one time when I was young prayed to God, make it so I don't need to sleep. Mixed results. Mixed results. So, uh, actually fell asleep while I was talking to someone. It wasn't, that was not so good. Um, but uh, I just distracted myself. Rest. Rest is very important. Uh, God has ordained that we get regular periods of rest. Hallelujah. He made us that way. We need that. So we need rest. This includes special holidays as well as weekly and even daily periods of rest. Point number two behind the Sabbath is we need time with God. We need to stay connected with God. If we don't have a regular uh, relationship with God, we fade from God. And the third thing is we need time together. The believers need to gather together because we need each other. We need each other's support going through life. We're interdependent and we also are strong together when we serve together. Uh, This Morgan Park situation was a daydream seven years ago. We couldn't even pay our own bills. Now we've got extra and we can sow into other ministries we can have our own sponsorship program and actually be fully funding an orphanage in another country just from this church because people are showing up, because we're standing together and we're strong together. So the Sabbath idea is rest, time with God, and time together. So God's vision is to have a people who are living balanced lives, who are rested, in tune with God, and strong together. Amen? Rested, in tune with God, and strong together. What if instead we had a bunch of super busy, disconnected, burned out believers who never had time for God, each other, or the cause of Christ? Wouldn't that be a disaster? Which one is more (laughs) descriptive of reality? Well rested, in tune with God, connected and strong together? or super busy, burned out, uh, living that. If we, if we take and catch the vision of the Sabbath, and again, not legalistic, you can work shift work, you know, I mean, uh, nurses need to work on Sunday, it's, it's fine, you know, don't, don't get all worked up over that. But the idea is we need regular periods of rest, we need regular times of connecting with God, and we need regular times of connecting together. If we do those things, we're catching the concept of the Sabbath, and we can walk into it without it becoming 
goofy rules, but actually getting the good thing that's God's plan. Today, let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about prayer. So let's pray and then believe God to catch God's vision for prayer. So Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are better than our ways. And so, Lord, when we see your commands, we walk in them by faith, knowing that you've got a better perspective. You understand things so much better, so we follow you by faith. But, Lord, we ask you to show us and give us wisdom and understanding into your ways so that we can live them out, uh, in, not in the dark, but in understanding. And we can see where the benefits, where the blessings are, and we can walk in your ways more effectively. So, Lord, help us to see that in prayer. And, Father, I do pray that, uh, that you would just touch each one of us right now. Lord, through this sermon time, help us to grab a hold of something. Lord, uh, we're all in different places, dealing with different things, and we need a different touch from you. And so, Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you would touch each one of us with just what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are commanded to pray. So, um, let's start with Ephesians 6.18, commanded to pray. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. When it says keep on praying for all the saints, that's pray for the other believers. Pray for your friends in church. Pray for uh, church leaders in other places. Pray for each other. Pray for believers. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And pray for each other. So we are commanded to pray. And here it says, pray in the spirit. Now that's different and deeper than, uh, you know, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. That's not praying in the spirit. That's saying a nice prayer. That's fine, whatever. Uh, But there's deeper things with God than that. Amen. You can go farther into your relationship with God than repeating a prayer you've heard a hundred times or 10,000 times, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I heard that one when I was a kid. So I know that one's around. Now, next one, let's go to uh, Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This is interesting, that word watchful. That's part of prayer, is being watchful. Part of prayer is allowing us to be able to observe and see what's really going on. We can be oblivious to certain things if we're not connected with God, but God will clue us in if we're connected with Him. So we need to be devoted to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, uh, devoted to prayer, that's powerful. That's that's an important part of your life then, something we're devoted to. So we see this command. Uh, Next one, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. In the King James, pray without ceasing. That's a famous verse, pray without ceasing. Now, I uh, have interpreted that verse differently than most people. I've not heard people uh, like live uh, interpret this verse the way that I do. Most people interpret it as we should be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, what does that mean? I think what this means, pray continually, pray without ceasing. It means be a person of prayer and don't stop being a person of prayer. I think that's what this means. Have a vibrant prayer life 
and don't lose your vibrant prayer life. It's not an unreasonable expectation. Can you ever really pray enough? Absolutely. Absolutely you can. I'm going to set people free right now. Every time I ask that, people are like, nope, you never can. Can you ever really give enough? Yes, you can. You can give too much. You can pray too much. You can be praying to keep your job and not showing up for work and you'll get fired. Go to work. You know, like God is not this bizarre, unreasonable being that asks us to do nonsensical things. It makes sense. And so pray without cease. Oh, look at that. Computer tech has got some skills. King James, pray without ceasing. So this means have a vibrant prayer life and don't lose it. Have you ever had a vibrant prayer life and then went into a season where you didn't have a vibrant prayer life? Yeah. That can be how it goes. But God is helping us by saying you need to make prayer a priority. You need to grab hold of these deeper things of God and you need to not lose hold of them. Why would he say that? Because, you know, I think there are good segments of the Christian world that think, you know, God's going to just do whatever he's going to do anyway. Uh, Prayer doesn't really make any difference. I know I'm supposed to but it's really out of bounds to question whether or not we're supposed to pray. So I'm just going to say, yep, yep, we should be praying and then not pray. Isn't there just a bunch of people like that? Well, if prayer is actually important, if God's ways are higher than our ways, and he's helping us by telling us, devote yourselves to prayer, be a person of prayer, don't lose your prayer life, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, If we miss that, then we're going to miss something important from God. Now, I was introduced to God through prayer. So I've never been a Christian who didn't understand the value of prayer. So it's it's almost a little tricky for me to talk about it, but I have had dry times in my Christian walk. And so I've seen the effect of not being connected with God on my own life. But my, my introduction to God was when I was 19, you know, I'm not a church person, you know, didn't know anything about God. I mean, I had seen a, a picture Bible in the dentist's office when I was a kid. I remember that. And I knew that the Bible was the Christian book. And I knew there was an Old Testament and a New Testament, but like I didn't know Jesus was in the New Testament, but not in the Old Testament. Things like that. You know, like I didn't really know any of it. Uh, I didn't know Easter was a Christian holiday. I didn't know there were Bible colleges. This is, this is where I was at. You know, I'm just living a different, uh, different world. So, you know, but I always wondered, you know, I wonder if God is real. Wouldn't that be something? And so somebody... Uh, gave me a Bible and had me start reading in Matthew after we'd had some conversations. And, and I read Matthew 7 uh, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And I thought, well, I can test this. You know, if you seek and don't find, then that verse is, is garbage. 
If you knock and the door doesn't open, that verse is garbage. However, if it does open, then you know something. So I thought, well, let's find out. So I'm driving midnight in the summer, 1988, the good old days. And uh, I just decided I'm going to pray. So I said, Lord, there's this guy. He gave me a book. He says it's your book. And in it, it says, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be opened, and I'm knocking. So as I'm driving, I saw two hands appear in the sky like this and open up like that. And it was a scary experience. I knew it was a vision. It, you know, it wasn't like going to knock airplanes out of the sky or something, but it, a vision and was very, very scary to me. It wasn't something that I shared with other people. Uh, I didn't talk about it. I just sort of was like, oh, my goodness. However, I learned something very, very important that day. Well, here's how I looked at it. There's two options. I'm stark raving mad. <laughs> or there is a God of the universe who cares enough about people to respond to them when they pray by themselves alone in a truck. And I went with that option. And so I knew God was real. I knew that if we prayed, God would respond. And I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know Christian people. I didn't have a church family. I didn't have a religion. I had nothing but my connection with God. And that's what I walked in in those early years. And it was great. And I would ask God questions and God would give me answers. And it was sweet. As the years go by, your relationship with God kind of changes. But one of my favorite stories about what God did uh, in answering a question was, I can't remember if my wife and I were still dating or if we were married. Um, We got married three years after that experience I had. And I told her in those early years, I said, I don't care who's right. Whoever's right, we're going to join their group. If the Jehovah's Witnesses are right, we're going to become Jehovah's Witnesses. If the Catholics are right, we're going to become Catholics. I don't care if the Hindus are right, we're going to become Hindus. I don't care who's right. I just want to find out, and we're going to join them. And then, Chris, she's like, <gasps> like, don't do what? You're like, you can't do that? I'm like, hey. I don't care. You know, if we happen to be wrong, we're just going to change. And so I asked God. There's all these different groups. There's, at that point, 600 different Christian denominations. And I was like, you know, they're all fighting with each other at best. One is right out of, in 599 are wrong. You know, uh, probably all 600, you know. But God, what, which one's right? Who do I hook up with? You know what God's answer to the question, who's right? You know what the answer was? None of them are right. Every human organization is a human organization full of flawed people who are hopefully doing the best they can, but we can't find God in religion. We can't find God in organizations. God is God. Let's worship God, and then let's work together in our imperfections to advance God's kingdom to do the good works of God as best that we can 
but we're operating in imperfection, so we're not perfect. So that was super helpful. It allowed me to be able to join an organization that I knew wasn't perfect, but was good enough for me. Because God is perfect, and the assemblies of God is not. God is perfect. Good Hope Church is not. God is perfect. Pastor Mike is not. Amen? Come on. I got a testimony on that one. So, yeah. All right. Don't take it too far. Don't take it too far. But boy, I tell you, what a lot of headache I was saved by just asking God who's right and him saying, you know what? People are flawed. Trust me. Hook up with people, but don't put them in too high of a place. Okay. Simple enough. I don't need people to be perfect. So as a new believer, I understood the power of prayer. I've seen so many miracles happen. Uh, You know, you don't have to pray all that well. My favorite story for that is I was dealing with the carpal tunnel issues in my left hand. At that time, I was the worship leader at church. This is years back before we came to Cloquet. I'm the worship leader and the youth pastor and the pastor and the lawn care guy and, you know, did everything. And my hand, I was having trouble making the cords work. I'm getting ready for church on Sunday morning, and it's just me and the guitar that day. There's nobody else. And it's just like, you know, I can't get the thing to work. And I'd been prayed for before. You know how sometimes you pray, and it's like, okay, well, what happened there? And I'd been prayed for. I need my hand to work. And so... Sunday morning, I'm getting ready for church. I'm there by myself, getting everything set up, and I'm trying to play the guitar, and it's not working. And I just shook my hand and said, come on. That was my prayer. And my, my hand, it was instantly healed. That was probably 10, 15 years ago. Not a problem since. Is, so with that prayer, come on. It was a little irritated, you know, the beginning was bad. The middle was nothing. The end was terrible. And yet God just is like, All right, guess what? Here you go. Boop. Healed. Hallelujah. I know God does things. And so we need to be people of prayer. To help us catch the vision of prayer, let me just give a few principles. Number one, prayer is rich and deep. We can go deeper in prayer than what we understand. The connection with God is deeper. The availability of the connection with God is deeper and more powerful and richer than what we can see. If your understanding of prayer is basically the same as your relationship with Santa Claus, give me this, give me that, well, I didn't get what I want. That's a really, really super shallow experience of prayer. And it's a terrible place to start. Starting with, give me this, give me that, is a terrible place to start. Because at that stage, you don't even know what you really want. Your your desires are skewed. You have worldly desires. You've got to get rid of those, connect with God. Then you'll get good desires, and God will give you those. 
right? Then you'll want to be able to uh, fund a children's home. Then you'll want to be able to build a building addition so you can have kids areas in church. Then you'll want to be able to reach smaller communities with the gospel that right now are being forgotten. Then you'll have those desires and God will meet those needs. Then you'll be able to ask for the right things. So let me just give a few types of prayer. Prayer is rich and deep. Types of prayer. Worshipful prayers. This is how Jesus started the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are holy. Just a time, brief time of worship at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Worship is prayer. It's part of our vertical relationship with God. And worship can go very, very deep. There are prayers of thanksgiving, just giving thanks. Uh, We're not asking for anything, just thanking God. Prayers of blessing. Next week, uh, at this, in this service, we'll be doing baby dedications, and we'll be praying blessings over babies uh, at Mother's Day 9 a.m. service, a prayer of blessing. You can pray seeking revelation and wisdom. These are listening prayers. One of the keys in prayer is zipping your lip and listening to God. You know, gimme, 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 I'm out of here. You know, what if you talk to somebody on the phone like that? Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this, bye, poof, you know. That's a disaster, right? What kind of relationship is that? So we want to have listening prayers, asking God questions, and then just staying in the environment of connecting with God. There's prayers where we intercede for others. We're praying for others. There's prayer times that involve fasting. This is one of the uh, most significant things for me Usually, two or three days in, I can start to hear from God a lot better because the noise dies down. You walk around in life, you got a lot of noise in there. Uh, Try to hear from God with all that noise. A couple days, everything starts to smooth out. And that's a good time to hear from God. And God will show you things that are deeper than what you expected. There are times of spiritual warfare. In prayer, it's one thing to ask God for something. It's another thing to wage war against the devil in prayer. Those are different things. There's um, praying in the spirit, prophetic prayers. We can pray in spirit languages that God gives us so that we're not bound by our understanding. These are deep things of God. And there's, there's so much more. But let me tell you, if prayer isn't working for you, then go deeper. So many times, people try just, they put their toe in the water, and it's not what they thought, and they walk away. The reality is, we learn over time, we get better as we practice, as we connect with God, we start to see things more clearly, and we realize we've been praying amiss, and And we start to learn how to grab hold of things better. But prayer is rich and deep. Go there with God. Principle number two. Prayer is our primary way of connecting with God. We must build our relationship with God. Prayer is the primary way of connecting with God. So we want to know the things of God. Um, number three, prayer actually does change things. 
Let me settle that on you. Prayer actually does change things. Again, there's this trap of people thinking, well, God's going to do what God's going to do, so why pray? Well, God has decided to put some things in your hand. And when we pray, things don't always change exactly how we want them to. But things change. The world is different because we pray. I had somebody ask me one time, if every prayer you answered, if every prayer you prayed last week was answered, what would this world look like? Hopefully not the same, because you haven't prayed. What if God answered every prayer that you prayed? We can pray, and it actually it changes the physical world, it changes the spiritual world. Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, preacher of the 1800s, said if people knew what happened when they prayed, they would pray more. Prayer changes things. There are hindrances to prayer, like doubt, selfishness, personal sin, and then the fear and guilt thing. One of the things that's damaged prayer significantly is the human need to figure out who to blame when things don't go the way they want them to go. So if you're praying for healing for somebody and they don't get healed, whose fault is it? People are, well, they didn't have enough faith. If they could have had faith, they'd have received their healing. It's their fault. Well, that pastor, he, does, he must have something wrong with him. If he can't pray, he, well, oh, it's God's fault. Well, God doesn't want you healed. He doesn't like you, so it's God's fault. Well, here's the deal. Don't figure out who to blame because there's enough trouble already without adding shame and condemnation onto the issue. I had an elderly couple one time. The wife needed a hip replacement. And the husband was like, well, you go to the altar, you get that thing healed, because I ain't paying for a hip. And so she went up to the altar, God prayed for, and guess what? Nothing. And he was mad. He was like, what? you know how much your lack of faith is going to cost me? You go out, you pray more. What's wrong with you? And blaming her for not having a miraculous hip healed. Well, that's ridiculous, right? Now, hallelujah, God will do incredible miracles. Let's not blame people because then we get scared and everything has to be perfect and everybody just holds back because now you got to pray mush prayers. Instead of, Lord, heal this hip, pain be gone in Jesus' name. You're like, well, God, whatever you want to do is cool, whatever, fine, amen. And what is that? Let's hit the problem and then we'll learn and grow as time goes on. I'm going to invite the ushers and the prayer teams forward. We're going to take communion this morning. Let's hand out the communion elements um, and, uh, and prayer teams come forward as well. We're going to have a time of personal prayer after we receive communion. I was at a pastor's meeting one time, and the question came up, why did Jesus ask his disciples to pray at Gethsemane? So Jesus is he's going to go to the cross, but he's praying at Gethsemane. This is the place where he says, uh, you know, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. He's asking the Father to make another way for the redemption of the world so he doesn't have to go to the cross. 
And he asks Peter, James, and John to pray with him. And this friend of mine said, well, why did he ask Peter, James, and John to pray? It's not like the crucifixion wasn't going to happen. What's the deal? Let's read that account, and then we'll get a, a little bit deeper understanding of prayer. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Here's keep watch again, describing prayer as keeping watch. Verse 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And this cup is this cup. It's talking about him having his body broken for our healing and his blood shed for our forgiveness. The suffering he would have to go through. He's saying, there's got to be another way. Please do this a different way. Yet, not as I will, as you will. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. So Jesus is, he's so intense, it's described in another place that his sweat is like drops of blood. He is in absolute agony in anticipation of what's going to happen. And his disciples aren't really catching on. They fall asleep. They're not keeping watch with him. They don't recognize the moment. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Just remember that. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Is Jesus saying, watch and pray so that I don't have to do this? Watch and pray so that we can get out of this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You see the change in the feel there? If I've got to do this, then amen. And Jesus changed from sweating drops of blood in anticipation of this terrible thing to getting the inner strength to be able to embrace the moment and walk into it. Jesus was not a victim. He's our Messiah. And he walked to the cross in power. Verse 43. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Are you still sleeping and resting? Jesus was about to bring redemption to mankind, and he needed some friends to stand by him. Was Jesus going to be spared the cross? No. So why did he ask his disciples to pray? Well, do you know what happened when they came and got Jesus? The disciples ran scared. Peter took his sword and started hacking at people. 
Jesus says, don't you do that. And then Peter didn't know what to do. He denied the Lord. Everybody ran. They didn't discern the time and they didn't get the strength through prayer that they needed to walk through the situation in faith. How many times do we fall asleep when we should be getting stronger because we're about to walk into a trial? Jesus died on the cross again for our healing, for our forgiveness. Let us not sleep through our moments with God today. What does tomorrow bring? I don't know, but I can be ready if I'm a person of prayer. Let's give thanks. Let's praise the Lord for what He's done. Then I'll open it up for individual personal prayer. Heavenly Father, You are so good. Thank You for loving sinners, for loving the imperfect, for loving people who did wrong, for loving people who hurt Your purposes, for loving each one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saying yes to the Father and embracing who you were, the Lamb of God. Thank you that we can receive forgiveness in completeness, completely forgiven. It was finished, and we receive the finished work of what you've done on the cross. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Lord, you are so good. Help us to know more and more day by day what you've done and who that makes us. I pray a blessing over each person in this place. Lord, let your peace be upon us, let your joy be in us, and let your love overflow through us to this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.